podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Living Comics, Omaha, Nebraska. Hi, this is Cindy Sawatsky. You are listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comicast with Joe and Matt. Ladies and gentlemen, there are pugs in the Ziggurat studio. Welcome to episode 44 of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, November 30th. The Ziggurat, is that what we're calling it? That's the studio, the Ziggurat. My name is Matt Baum, and when I'm not overproducing this show with a limited amount of experience resulting in whole segments that no one can hear, I'm writing about and appraising comics for WorkPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick, artist and co-creator of Good Plus Online, and when I'm not all but refusing to help my co-hosts come up with names and formats for new segments, I'm the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. No danger of a podcast award here, folks. This week, THN reviews The Haunt 19 from Image and Flash Gordon's Zeitgeist, number one from Dynamite. After that, we'll review 10 comics so fast there's no way anyone will believe we know what we're talking about in a ludicrous speed round, and then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum where I promise you'll be able to hear us talk about next week's comics. And we'll premiere a brand new segment. And finally, we'll answer some of your questions in this month's edition of Ask a Nerd, but... Before we get to all that nonsense and hooey, let's pull up front row seats to watch Herman Kane's wife kick him in the mommy-daddy button, and then we'll talk about this week's big news. What little there is of it. <laughs> this week, fans got a good look at the villain from the upcoming Amazing Spider-Man movie from an unlikely source, dot dot dot, a Pez dispenser. Yeah, dude. Those bastards at Pez. Yeah, comic- Street date, you idiots. Come on. Comicbookmovie.com posted images from the candy company's upcoming Amazing Spider-Man product line, including their Spider-Man and Lizard Pez dispensers. Now, obviously, the translation from big screen to tiny plastic toy can't really be taken as an accurate representation of the character. But hot on the heels of the Pez scandal came character concept art posted by... Spidermedia.ru. It's a Russian spider media yeah. company. <laughs> and that site revealed a similar design for the Spidey villain. Basically, it looks like the movie version of the lizard is going to be closer in appearance to DC's Killer Croc with like a snub nose and scaly hide rather than the traditional Marvel interpretation with the elongated reptilian face. We'll have the picture up on our Facebook page if you guys want to comment sure. on it too. People online have commented on the design confirming that it matches the brief glimpse fans received at comic-con matt what do you think of the new lizard i don't like it it's not my lizard it looks like lewis gossett jr from enemy mind it's 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 just not my lizard i need a lizard head i can't every time i see that i'm gonna think like i hate it i i don't i don't like it it's too sleek it's too sexy doesn't look scary he looks misunderstood and sad i don't know i reports have said that the glimpse from comic-con showed him kind of massive. So I don't think the concept art really I mean, gives a good impression of how it'll translate to the screen. But I bet the face is pretty right on, and the face is what I have the problem with. I don't know. I, I want mean, a lizard head, man. He That's does what look I want. Like, he does look like the 80s version of Killer Croc, where he was just a guy with and you know scaly what? skin. That's fine for Killer Croc. That's not what I want for the lizard. The <sighs> lizard has never looked like that. I'm withholding judgment until I see it in action for real. That's because you're a baby. The record was smashed once again Wednesday night as a near-mint copy of Action Comics number 1 was sold at auction for a staggering $2.16 million. This particular copy was graded at a 9.0 by CGC, surpassing the previous record holder at an 8.5, a copy that sold for $1.5 million last year. In an interesting twist, this particular copy, well, 
we know it belonged to Nicolas Cage, but we they haven't confirmed any of this. <laughs> and was recently recovered from an abandoned storage locker after being stolen from his home in the year 2000. This happened last April. I wrote about this actually for Worth Point this week. Of the well, 100 are you special. I'm a special guy. Of the 100 or so copies of Action Comics number 1 that are believed to exist, only a handful of them can be found in good condition. Unfortunately for Cage, the proceeds from this sale are probably headed straight to the tax man to cover his highly publicized financial problems. What do you think, Joe? What do you mean? What hasn't been confirmed? That it was Nicolas Cage's They copy? didn't confirm that it was his. We know that there was a 9.0 that was stolen from his house. We know there is no other CGC 9.0. They don't know if he actually sold it or someone else sold it. Oh. So, like, a, like if you read about this on some websites, they say, a West Coast comic collector. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean. So, we don't have confirmation that Nick Cage sold this. Does Nick Cage need money? Yes. Hell yes. <laughs> Did Nick Cage own a CGC like 9.0 action number one? Yes. We know that because it made the papers when it was stolen. Is that probably what happened here? I'm thinking so. I think if there's that dude only certainly a has not of made comics. crap for money off his last 10 well, movies. Well, dude, why do you think he's churning out money uh, movies so fast? <laughs> we got Season of the Witch and Drive Angry shot in 3D and Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Oh, yeah. Where he pees fire. A lot of winners lined up. This is just one right after the other. Now, so let's assume for the sake of the story that this is Nicolas Cage's copy. Really sorry he's got to sell it because that has to suck. Let's get past that. What's notable is this is now the most expensive comic book of all time. Superman has firmly won that battle, snatched it away. From Batman, which sold for a little under $1.5 million a while. It, it was neck and neck for a long time. Yeah. Like, one would surpass the other in, like, stair steps. But, yeah, now it's, without a doubt, Action 1 has just smashed it. I don't see anybody beating this number anytime soon. We'll see. Especially in a down economy like this. This is really amazing. In these troubled economic times. That's this week's big news. If you want to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up on our Facebook page where DJ and I have been posting videos of our attempts to pee fire, just like Nick Cage in the upcoming Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. I didn't even know you'd written that. I'm not making that up. It's true, he does it. There was a shortage of news this week, so the THN editorial staff decided this would be the perfect time to premiere our new Web Extra segment, Catching Up on the Pile. Normally, this will be a web segment only at TwoHeadedNerd.com or our Facebook page until TwoHeadedNerd.com is done. You mean until Joe finishes TwoHeadedNerd.com. But we wanted to give you guys a sampling to whet your appetite. We've all got a pile of new comics we need to catch up on, and this segment is all about it. This week, Joe caught up on Jeff Parker's Thunderbolts for Marvel, and I caught up on the Savage Hawkman for DC. Joe. Tell us what you thought about Power Man and his team of reformed villains. I don't know how I got so far behind on Thunderbolts. I was enjoying this it. This is one I let go to, and I feel bad. I was enjoying it already. I was too. I don't have an excuse. It was coming out so quickly yeah. during Fear Itself that I would blink and there would be four issues. I think if Thunderbolts is guilty of anything, it's guilty of being on time. Too consistent, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so w- when I finally sat down to read to get caught up, there were eight issues of Thunderbolts that I'd missed uh, that had been piling up since about the time Fear Itself number three came out. Yeah. and I think I'm about the same space. It was just, uh, it was glorious. I sat down and I read them all in one chunk, and it was a ton of fun. The Fear Itself issues were good. 
as as tie-ins go. Yeah, they were they were really solid actually. And, you know, that was one of the books that was pretty much directly linked to Fear Itself because Juggernaut was one of the Thunderbolts. Right. And, and when that was over, uh <laughs> the, the villains escape through a trick of fate, end up traveling through time uncontrollably. And so they've been spending the last four or five issues uh bouncing around in time. They had a storyline where they uh teamed up with the invaders in Nazi Germany. And now they're in uh, Victorian London, and uh, Mr. Hyde might be Jack the Ripper. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, it's that is so fun. great. And it, it's got great artists. Uh, Kev Walker and Declan Shalvey uh, kind of rotate. The art is just gorgeous. Uh, Kev Walker is an artist I've enjoyed uh, for a long time. and Yeah, he really is great. And, He's doing an excellent job on this book. And Shalvey... Shavely, it's S H A L V E Y, okay. according All to right. Google. Fair enough. Uh, is just come out of seemingly nowhere. I know that he's done other work, but um, I've really taken to noticing him now Declan. that he's on. He's got to be Declan. Irish for the new he like is, Declan. I've heard him. I've <laughs> yeah. heard interviews with him, and he's he lives in Ireland. It's just a really great read, and if you aren't picking up Thunderbolts, you're really missing out. It's one of Marvel's best books, and its sales are in the Toilet. Yeah, it's in, right in that area with a bunch of other books that just got canceled, like X-23. Like, there were books and, that got canceled in this most recent uh, sweep that sell more than Thunderbolts. better, yeah. Uh, it's just that Thunderbolts has been around for so long, and it's a concept, I think, that fans have taken to, that it just holds on for whatever reason. I think it must be a favorite of the Marvel editorial, but it's basically, I don't know why I let it pile up. And if you have been ignoring Thunderbolts, you need to get on it because it is really, really great. Matt, tell me about Savage Hawkman. Uh, well, you know, there was only three issues to catch up on, but I read the first one. I was pleasantly surprised. And then there was a tidal wave of other DC books and I just fell behind. This damn show that we host makes me have to read a bunch of crap that this I do so, not care about. It's so much work. <laughs> So I sat down this I've week. Really, I've blamed the DC relaunch for why I it's have piles of comics. It's ruined a ton of stuff. It really has. I mean, like, I have so many books that I want to catch up on. And here I am catching up on DC books, yeah. you know, as well. But I read one through three this week, trying to catch up, because we got issue number four coming real quick here. Initially, when I read number one, I was surprised. Because I did not expect to go into this liking it. I don't like Tony Daniel as a writer. I love his art. I don't care for his batman whatsoever no it's it's bad he's not a good writer and that's okay he's got a strong suit and that is being an artist that said i enjoyed number one it wasn't what i expected the art by don't freak out i'm taking your picture is it philip tan or billy tan philip tan the art by philip tan gorgeous like looks really good but three issues in i no longer care about the story at all. Morphicus. Morphicus. Is dumb. That is the you do not stupidest launch, name. Relaunch Hawkman. Uh, uh, I mean, this is a character that's already mired in horrible continuity. If you go and read a Hawkman's Wikipedia page, it reads like it was written by three different schizophrenic kids that went off their meds for like a month and just completely lost their minds. It is ridiculous. I have to say that my biggest complaint with the new Hawkman is that. It doesn't sound like Hawkman. No, it doesn't. The character doesn't sound it like doesn't Hawkman. It doesn't sound like Carter Hall at all. And there's nothing here. He's just you a good don't... old blue collar guy who yeah. likes to kick back and drink a beer. Know this what is, I'm saying? This is not how you no. launch into a new Hawkman story. This is not how you develop this character. I mean, you went right into, well, I've been Hawkman for a while and I'm getting rid of the costume. Oh, wait a minute. Now it's turned into, 
I don't know. No, I'm a Power Ranger. A crustacean looking thing that like is on me with Wolverine claws. You know, I, it's this is not working for me. And honestly, I don't think I'm even going to read issue number four. I'm sorry I spent the time to catch up on it. I love Hawkman. I desperately want to read a good Hawkman book. This is not it. Stay tuned to TwoHeadedNerd.com for more web extras coming soon. And as always, let us know what you've been catching up on over at our Facebook page. Review time is here. As always, Joe and I had an extraordinary League of Nicolas Cage competition where we drew names of Nicolas Cage characters from a hat to form the ultimate Nicolas Cage super team <laughs> and Joe's team of Cameron Poe, Big Daddy, Fu Manchu from Grindhouse, and Benjamin Franklin Gates kicked the hell out of my team of H.I. McDonough from Raising Arizona, Speckles from G-Force, and Charlie and Donald Kaufman from Adaptation. <laughs> Joe, the ship is yours. Who's Cameron Poe? Cameron Poe? Oh, from Con Air, Con dude. Con Air, Yeah. <laughs> He, the cowboy boot where he roundhouse kicked a dude in the face. Long haired, having to wife death. beaten. <laughs> no, he was a good man. He wore he, a wife beater. Wife beater wearing, he pardon me. wore a wife beater. All right. I reviewed Haunt, number 19, written by Joe Casey with art by Nathan Fox. Colors by FCO Placentia. Gross. In a story called Headwires on Fire. And here's the solicitation. An all new creative team kicks off with a bold new direction. Brothers Daniel and Kurt Kilgore have shared an ominous power, but things begin to unravel for both of them when a past tragedy comes back to haunt them. All new action. All new enemies. The new nightmare begins. Now! No! No, now! Now! (laughs) So, the story opens in the near future with what I presume to be Haunt being totally evil. Yeah. He's really gone off the deep end. But back in the present day... A crazy religious order. I don't mean that they're... Man, that guy is crazy religious. No, No, like... They're crazy. They're lunatics. (laughs) Uh, They're mourning the death of one of their own, and they swear to see divine justice carried out. Meanwhile, Daniel Kilgore and his dead brother, Kurt, collectively known as Haunt, are enjoying a rare moment of downtime. So here Casey's doing a good job showing how Kurt is becoming more cold and inhuman, the uh, the ghost brother... And his behavior is really erratic, and it's borderline psychotic. And by the end of the issue, he has completely lost control. And his actions look like they're going to have permanent consequences for the book. Which is interesting, because normally, you know, a new creative team takes over, and it's just a slight shift on status quo. Yeah. And now, the first thing they've done is is make half of the lead characters just go completely crazy and murder a room full of people. My guess is Todd McFarlane hasn't returned a call for like three months. And Robert Kirkman was just like, oh, you know, I'm a busy guy. Joe, whatever you want, buddy. <laughs> now, I have been reading Haunt regularly, so I was already on board with the concept. I knew what was going on. But while Casey doesn't bog down the issue with references to past stories, he also doesn't make any effort whatsoever. No. To explain the haunt concept in any way. I'm a guy who read number one, didn't like it, and then picked up this issue because Joe Casey was writing it and went, what the hell is (laughs) going on? Now, I mean, it's not rocket science. A a man merges with the ghost of his dead brother and they become haunt. I mean, I got that. That was spelled out. But even that most basic explanation is missing from this issue. They don't explain it. It's just there. It was there. Yeah, they definitely didn't explain it. Now, the issue is full of the big ideas that Joe Casey is known for, but I'm just, I'm not sure it's the most accessible issue to jump onto, and it probably should have been, because, you know, Joe Casey is a writer that a lot of people respect, and... I love him. 
Yeah. I love his Godland. I loved his Butcher Baker. I love almost everything that guy does. People said that Joe Casey is my boyfriend several times, and I'm not going to say it's not, not true. Are, were you one of those people? I, did you no, say I did Joe not Casey say it. Was your boyfriend? My friend Orr McWilliams said it often. Maybe he's developing something here. I did not get it. I was totally lost here. And in between this, his spastic writing style, and I understand he's trying to continue a story, but you've got to know new readers are going to jump on well, when you say new direction, I new disagree. creative team. And I, I, I had no idea what was happening. I, I, I understand that he didn't really explain the deal with Haunt, and I get that. But, and you don't even need to totally reset But I didn't it. find that the plot was confusing. See, not the so much, Ghost Brothers losing control. Not so much the plot. And but these the, weird monks are after him. Yeah, but they're, they're talking about stuff that I have no knowledge of. The that art, did not happen. That's not from a past story. Oh, this is brand new. Yeah, you're, we're all in See, the same I, boat. I couldn't even tell. I was just like, I don't know what's happening. And the art was so spastic. I like this guy. I like Nathan Fox. But no, the I art loved the art. was so spastic here that I had to stare at some pages until an <laughs> image came out. It, it's quite a like departure. Like a dot matrix picture. Yeah, it, it's quite a departure from what came before. Um, and I appreciated the different take on the character, but the art does get a little too busy. It was nuts. In certain parts, yeah. I pictured Nathan Fox, like the artist roommate from Spaced, freaking out. Brian? Yeah, Brian, like, scratching his eyes <laughs> and smearing art onto the comic book page while it, shrieking. It, the, and the art is so full of solid blacks that it's really hard for the normally very talented FCO Placentia to shine. His colors yeah. are really great, but it's so murky. The art is very black. Yeah, this is wackadoo. Uh, but I still, I really liked it. I really enjoyed the issue, and I would recommend it to people that are interested in the basic concept. I'm going to keep reading, because so, I love Joe Casey. All that said, and bear with me here, I'm giving the book a skimmit, because I want to get away from the idea that a skimmit is a negative review. No, it's, it, yeah, it's not bad. A skimmit just means that you should give the book a look at your local shop and make the judgment for yourself. Right. I liked it. It's not, but, a, it's not necessarily a must buy. Yeah, I was already a fan of the book. So take a look. I think it's worth it. Skimmit. I'm with you. All right. I like it. Matt, tell me about Flash. I read Flash Gordon Zeitgeist <laughs> number one from Dynamite, written by Eric Troutman, art by Daniel Indro. Plot. Del- <laughs> art by Delroy Lindo. <laughs> <laughs> Plot. I love him. I do too. Plot and art direction by Alex Ross. Here's your solicitation. The year's 1934, a time of two-fisted swashbuckling, of fearsome threats and wild adventure. And Dang. Ever-growing threats on the horizon. They use threats twice in the same sentence. That's, that's not so good. <laughs> Dear Dynamite, I can copyright. That rhymed. Three valiant humans, Flash Gordon, Dale Arden, and Dr. Hans Zarkov, are plucked from Earth, traveling to the distant planet of Mongo. Their exploits are legendary, battling the machinations and terror schemes of the dreaded Emperor Ming, the all-seeing ruler of Mongo. But they did not fight alone. This is not the Flash Gordon that I fell in love with from the 1980 film where Flash was updated to be a quarterback for the New York Jets in the wrong place at the wrong time. Ross and Troutman are returning the original Flash character created by Alex Raymond in the early 1930s for newspaper comic strips to compete with the already successful Buck Rogers of the time. And it was very similar in tone as well. You know, out of place, human, in outer space. John Carter. Teaches these aliens how to whoop ass, you know. This Flash works for the U.S. government and he's seeking Dr. Hans Zarkov like on a mission. Zarkov's a world-renowned but eccentric theoretical physicist whose work may save the Earth from an alien threat. Flash and his plucky female sidekick, Dale Arden, are taken hostage by Zarkov, loading the rocket, Shanghai to the alien word of Mongo, and boom, all hell breaks loose. Flash Gordon. 
Artist Daniel Indro uh, also worked on Dynamite's recent Sherlock Holmes Year One oh, series. Oh, yeah. And it was great. He yeah, was really I good. I thought it looked familiar. This is a different Daniel Indro. It reminded me of Lee Bermejo a little bit. It absolutely did. And here's what I see here. I think it's different because he's working directly with Alex Ross, who holds Flash Gordon very close to his own heart. I've got a DVD, actually. It was a Flash Gordon, like, I don't remember, like, 25th anniversary. Yeah, it that came Alex out. Ross did a painting on the front of. I remember when it came out. I will never part with it because it is so freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but in some panels, Indro seems to be totally finishing, like, Ross sketches. You can see that he's laid out what looks like Alex Ross paintings that Indro is drawing directly over. And it works. There's a couple panels where it gets a little shaky. There's one where uh, they're showing the rocket ship traveling to Mongo, and they sort of juxtapositioned Ming's face over the planet. Juxtaposed. (laughs) Juxtapositioned? Nope. Juxtaposed. Up your butt. They've (laughs) juxtaposed Ming's face over the planet Mongo, and it looks like it got away from Indro a little bit. Sure. Whereas Ross would have nailed that one, I think. When it does work, however, the book looks fantastic. Looks really good. And this is a dynamite product. They do a great job. They print on nice paper stock. I have the Paul Renault cover, and it is beautiful. All the covers that came out for this were awesome. Mm-hmm. But uh, like overall, it's a very fun retelling. It's a story is just like I remember it, but it's set in the 1930s during World War II. They introduce some of the other aliens from Mongo, which were more from the comic strip. Back in the day that I sure. didn't really know. I'm really interested in what happens here. Oh, it yeah. One of them great. was one of the Hawkmen. Yeah. The dialogue was really good, but it wasn't forced or too old timey. You know what sounding. was awesome was at the beginning. It was oh, a little was, treat for you Flash Gordon fans. It was the intro Ming, of the movie. Ming says, Clytus, I'm bored. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything have you to offer me today? <laughs> An obscure body of the SK. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. Overall, this is a really fun retelling of the original Flash Gordon story. I am totally in on this one. I give it a huge buy it. Likewise, I really enjoyed it. I Believe it or not. By the way, it cost a dollar. Oh, it did so cost a dollar. anybody who doesn't buy it is a jerk. That's right. Believe it or not, I have never seen Flash Gordon. Well, you're going home with it tonight, big boy. <laughs> but I really liked it. And Eric Troutman is somebody I'm a fan of. He's done great work for yeah, DC. he's great. And he's been kind of under the radar for a little while. Uh, he's been writing Vampirella. So. Well, that would be why I haven't noticed it. Sorry, <laughs> I don't read Vampirella. But uh, I really, really enjoyed it. It had really pretty art. And I'm going to keep up with it. I'm giving it a buy it. So that is a double skim it. But not in a bad way. For the haunt number 19. Just a skim it. And a double buy it for Flash Gordon Zeitgeist. As always, we want to know your opinions of the comics we reviewed, so hit us up on our Facebook page and let us know how stupid and dim-witted our opinions really are. Now it's time for DJ and I to slip on our white racing leotards, tie on our red scarves, leap into the air and freeze frame while high-fiving and kick Chim Chim and that moron Spraggle out of the trunk of the THN Mach 5 and leave Racer X in the dust while reviewing 10 comics in the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed! Go! Daredevil, number six! If you're not reading Daredevil, you are missing out on what 
I am calling Marvel's best book. It is awesome. Marvel's totally best agree. book and one of the greatest Daredevil runs of all time. Buy it, buy it, buy it. Avengers Origins Thor, number one. Uh, this was a nice little retelling of Thor's origin, more kind of the origin of Mjolnir. It was Catherine Immerman wrote it. And I skipped it. It wasn't bad at all. I actually really liked it. The art was really strong. I look forward to more from Al Barrio Nuevo. Buy it. Barrio Nuevo. Archie, 627. <laughs> It's I read about damn time this I guy read met Archie Kiss. 627 because it is part one of Archie Meets Kiss, and it is just as batshit insane as you would imagine is it to Kiss be. Kiss old and fat? No, man. <laughs> I, Sabrina the Teenage Witch is there. All the teenagers in Riverdale are just practicing witchcraft for no reason. <laughs> it was totally insane. I feel like this comic is re- review proof. Buy it, skim it, or leave it now. Skim it. It was <laughs> insane. Uncharted, number one. This is the comic adaptation of the hit Sony PS3 video game. I found this oddly charming. It wasn't bad. It was sort of a Raiders of the Lost Ark meets Matthew McConaughey's character from that throwaway movie where he was sort of like Indiana Jones. What was that? I don't know. What are you talking about? Sahara. Oh, Sahara. Sahara. (laughs) Uh, Skim it. All right. Thunderbolts, 166. Hey, as I said earlier in the show, Jeff Parker's Thunderbolts is really great. This is more of uh, the Thunderbolts in Victorian London. Mr. Hyde's crazy. Satana is crazy. Everyone is crazy. <laughs> this book is awesome. Buy it. Thunder Agents, Volume 2, Number 1. See what I did there? Thunderbolts, Thunder Agents. See what I did? That's really good. Uh, you know, I wanted to be more excited about this one. It wasn't a fault of the art or the cover. I just, I don't really know. I'm not sure what I thought of it. It was fine. The best I can give it is a skim it, though. Spaceman, Number 2. Uh, more from Eduardo Rizzo and Brian Azzarello. Weird, weird, weird. <laughs> it is really weird. Um, I'm kind of interested, though. I'm sticking with it. And it's still pretty strong. I think it's a buy it. I'm going to read it. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek, number three. I love this IDW Star Trek book so much, it is stupid. I, I do not love it. love it. Why? I don't know what's wrong with you. It, it reads just like the movie. The characters look like the actors. This is fun. I love this book. Huge buy it. FF12. I feel like this book should have been kind of a jumping on point because we're rebranding Fantastic Four and FF12 is coming out, and it wasn't. It was a continuation of not only FF1 through 11, but also Fantastic Four 600, which is a completely different title. If you weren't already reading those books, you'll be completely lost. Yeah. That said... They're fully expecting you to read both. Yeah, that said, I am reading all those books, and I really thought it was great. <laughs> uh, Juan Bobillo's art is really weird, though, especially on the kids. So, I'm giving it a buy it, and I'm expecting Bobbio to get better. Uncanny X-Men number two. Yeah, I'm stealing this line from you, but I think I'm firmly on Team Wolverine. Yeah, dude. This is... It took three artists to finish the book. Carlos Pacheco, even when he was drawing it, didn't look great. I don't love the story. I don't get the new Mr. Sinister. The story is more bizarre than it is interesting. This strikes me as an idea that he had before the schism thing came down. I don't love it. I can only give it a skim. Same here, man. Bahoom! That is your ludicrous speed round, and Bahoom is the sound of Dr. Hans Zarkov's rocket lifting off from the pages of Flash Gordon's Zeitgeist, number one. Now it's time once again to visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where the arcane tome of the Vishanti has blessed us with knowledge of next week's comics. Matt, what have you pierced the veil of time to choose? If I wasn't whispering, I'd be giggling like a little kid because Defenders number one by Matt Fraction and Terry Dodson hits the stands. 
and as terrible as the Defenders comics were and always have been. I love them all, except for Eric Larson's, which was really, really bad. It was actually subtitled The Worst Comic Book in the Universe. And it easily was The Worst Comic Book in the Universe. (laughs) I love Terry Dodson. I love Matt Fraction. I love four of these characters. And then there's the Red She-Hulk, who I'll put up with because of my love of Fraction and Terry Dodson so much. Joe, what will you be reading next week? I'm taking a bit of a left turn and choosing Hellblazer Annual number one. Say what? By Peter Milligan and Simon Bisley. I've been reading Hellblazer on and off for about ten years now, and I've been off for quite a while. I'm really kind of uh, looking for something new, and I'm tired of picking Marvel books. So I'm giving this a read. You're Hellblazer curious? I'm Hellblazer curious. We moved the schedule around this month in order to celebrate the life and passing of hip-hop icon Heavy D. So this week, it's time once again to ask a nerd where you, the listener, submit your comic-related questions or challenge comic book savant Joe Patrick with your trivial bullshit. It's been a while since somebody's had the guts. Yeah, bring it on, nerds. Come on. This week, Jesse writes via our Facebook page, since you guys are the kings of the Dark Knight Rises conjecture. That's right. That's That's right. We are. I like that. What's your thoughts on the rumors of Bruce Wayne's death in the upcoming Batman The Dark Knight Rises film? So what Jesse's referring to is an article uh, that was posted online where somebody breaks down kind of what he views as the arc of Christopher Nolan's films, specifically Batman and how it relates to Nolan's other films, like The Prestige and... um, other films that he's made in the Inception. <laughs> oh, Sorry. We, we came prepared. I just got incepted there for a minute. <laughs> um, and basically, this writer has theorized that the only way for Christopher Nolan's Batman universe to end is for Batman, Bruce Wayne, to die and for somebody else to step in and take the mantle. And I think that that is actually a really good theory. Um, I don't hate it, and there's more to it than just this guy's article as well. Like, this article, from what I understand, and I don't know how true this is, but there's, like, some poop floating around Hollywood about this where rumors are circulating and stuff like that. Like, somebody may have said something they weren't supposed to in an interview and got the reporter not to put it in the interview. Now, mm. this is hearsay. We don't know. But it's not if, admissible. if we look at Nolan's other movies, this is not a guy that makes happy films. It's true. It's not. You know, I when I went and saw Inception at the very end, people screamed in the like made noises. Oh, well, yeah, I screamed. I can absolutely see this happening. Yeah. I mean, this is Christopher Nolan and he would love to do something like that. And he has said there is no more Batman after this. He's His done. Batman is over. Yeah. And DC has, if not actually announced it, it's been hinted at pretty strongly that there will be another Batman kind of reboot once Nolan is done in the same way that they've rebooted Spider-Man at Sony when just because this filmmaker is done doesn't mean there won't be more Batman so Nolan really if Warner Brothers allows him can do anything he wants yeah and I think it would be really ballsy for Nolan to kill off Bruce Wayne at the end of this film and I think it is just the kind of ballsy move that a director like Nolan would make but I really do it's here's the his, real question he wants to end it will you buy Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Batman. <laughs> because that's the only... That's just what you want. No, that's the only possible explanation. Get out of here. We don't know. Maybe they introduce an unknown in this movie. Who yeah, knows? That is such bull****. 
shit. There's no way. There's no way. You want to kiss Joseph Gordon-Levitt on the mouth, and now everybody listens so to the show So what if I do? I that's just, neither here nor there. I just pointed to GarageBand as if that's where everyone is. <laughs> everyone. But, uh, thanks for the question, Jesse. Hope we uh, gave you something to chew on there. As that was always, a whole bunch of nonsense. If you've got questions that need to be answered, or you want to try and stump Dainty Joe over here, Shoot us your questions to our Facebook page, our email, or hey, hit us on Twitter any way you want, nerds. Do your worst. Sort of break it, break it down like this. That is it for the two-headed nerd this week. If two nerds kicking Nicolas Cage, special needs children, and chimpanzees dressed like special needs children around is what you look for in a comic book podcast. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes where your star ratings are appreciated. But written reviews are the only thing stopping us from smashing our Xbox 360s after the latest Skyrim update crapped directly into the system. It's true. I am really oh, upset. I can't even play. The game is broken for me. Thank you again to everyone who clicked our donate button to editor.com. And if you haven't, your donation in any amount not only helps keep this show going, but keeps our Netflix subscriptions pooping stinkers like Season of the Witch starring Nicolas Cage directly into our brains. <laughs> As always, you can find all things Two-Headed and Nerdy at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Like our Twitter handles, links to Ask a Nerd, where you can ask us any of your comic-related questions, and ask for reading suggestions from the comic pushers. Also, don't forget to send us your submissions for the THN Mascot Contest. Still ongoing! Yeah, if we don't get at least one more, there is no contest. That's right. John Bunger wins by default. Yeah, you don't want that to happen, do you? (laughs) The winner will be voted on by you guys, and the new mascot will be featured... And let's be honest, all of the entries will probably be featured oh, yeah, regularly yeah. on the new and improved doitatnerd.com coming very, very soon. If that's not enough, head over to our Facebook page where you can become a fan of THN and answer the question of the week. This week's query, let's hear some bragging. What is the most you've ever spent on a single back issue and what was it? And you know what? I'll add to that. What is your prized back issue? It doesn't have to be the most expensive. Your favorite back issue. There you go. There you go, huh? Next week, get ready for your December TV and movie schedule in our Nerd TV segment. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Nightcon101, who wrote an iTunes review that was so sweet, I teared up a little bit while reading it. I'm tearing up right now. Crapping you negative. Word to you, Nightcon101. And until next time, true believers, this is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. There were no less than three poop references in that closing.